0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Kevin O'Keefe. We're going to do the dueling questions format. I actually do have some idea of what Kevin might ask, but I don't definitively know. But he had a whole bunch of questions for me that he emailed me. And I thought, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And I hope they will be questions that would be of interest to some of you as well. So thanks, sponsors, for making it possible. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions panini upper deck and tops so kevin o'keefe welcome back you've been on before your voice has been on you've been on your questions have been on but this is an episode just dedicated to dueling questions and i think anything's fair game i will see if you're a tough guy or whether you're or you're a uh, you're a second grade teacher so i don't know that you're going to treat me like a second grader but uh, <laughs>
1: actually,
0: that could be even tougher so but yeah. I, I was a college professor so maybe i'll t- treat treat you like a grad student so anyway kevin hit me with your first shot here Good question.
1: Yeah, thank you, Dr. Beckett, as always. It's it's funny, I happened to look at your old issues of the Beckett Monthly, and I came across a reprint. And in your first letter, in your first issue, second to last paragraph, this is what you wrote. The baseball card collecting hobby is not yet universally recognized as being the third most popular hobby behind coins and stamps. This is one of my personal goals. I'm sure you remember that, writing that. And I guess my big question is, as you went through the years, and certainly as you sit here all these years later, uh, clearly, do you think you have uh, achieved your personal goal?
0: Uh, good question. I did uh, not, not, not a softball, but I can handle that. That's a long time ago. What uh, thirty six years ago? I would say that sports card collecting is absolutely passed up stamps in, uh, in America. Coins. I think there's a lot more passion for and and probably participation. In, uh, in sports bar collecting, but the dollars probably are not there. The dollars for gold coins although lately these these hyper expensive cards maybe we're catching up but i wouldn't trade our industry for any i think it's dynamic you get to read the sports page and what other hobby can say that it's it's way better than fantasy sports than but similar way better than sports gambling and and not as toxic you get to your losers are not i i think mm-hmm. largely uh, we've made great progress on that it's probably in the eye of the beholder but i'm pleased and i i'm glad i was a small part of that
1: so. Did you just a quick follow up? Were you thinking like right now? What were you thinking was the third, like most popular hobby? You must have had some ideas. Like, wow, we have to beat out this collectible or this. Oh, you mean what was fourth? Well, yeah, you just said basically we we're hoping third. for the for sports cards to be the third most popular, other than stamps and coins. What were you thinking at the time? No, I think we were the third, and I wanted to. Oh, okay.
0: That I, I, I. Oh,
1: okay. Read that, but that's the way I intended that. I
0: think I got we we're it. third. And we were coming on strong, and it's 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 been stopped. Okay, my turn for you. I got a box of cards uh, a couple days ago from Tops. There was a box of Gypsy Queen from this year, and I opened up the box. I enjoyed opening it, and I'd like to tell my. First, I say thank you, Tops. Uh, They occasionally send me a box, just as Upper Deck does and Panini does. And I like to open them up and describe the experience, but describe it in a way that's audio rather than video. And it's not timely. It's not live. So I can't really show. So do you have any ideas of how I could uh, represent Tops and Fairly in terms of what that product is as a thank you for them sending me a box? Is there some innovative way that I can make it not boring, informative, and helpful?
1: Yes. I think getting on your friend, Rich Klein, or some other collector to bat around ideas. But I think for the average collector, and even someone like me that knows all the differences between Alan Ginter, Gypsy Queen, Finest, to talk about, and maybe even a Tops representative, talk about what is the market that you're after? How is this different than Finest? What is the niche that you're trying to reach? And obviously, you can describe it and the reason, the background. What is Gypsy Queen? How does that relate to uh, baseball? I think a lot of collectors that um, listen to your podcast may not know a lot of these answers and clearly are, are confused about all the different products.
0: Okay. And so one of the things I've done, again, we're doing our dueling questions. We, we're both breaking the rules for doing follow-up questions. But but <laughs> you did it, so I'm going to do it. But so what you're saying is that some of these box reviews for current sets if you better do it with Rich, and I guess you don't have a problem if it's one of the weekend episodes that are shorter, just say what I want to say and not belabor it, but point out some interesting things. Would you agree? That's yes, that's no good.
1: question. It's just differentiating. Here, listen, this is why you want to buy Gypsy Queen as opposed okay. to flagship, opening day, finest, whatever it may be. This is why it's unique. Okay. Because I know the, the reps from Tops obviously know those answers, and I'm sure they would love it that it's out there.
0: No, they want you to say that you have to buy all of them. <laughs> you don't have to choose. Yes. Anyway, have
1: me, your turn, Kevin. Okay. Other than your first issue, I, I, it's funny, uh, Jim, going through, you really want to know a lot about this hobby. Just go back and read a lot of your old issues. Other than your first issue and maybe your last before you retired, what issues stick out that for good or bad reasons, uh, not bad, but in other words, what really made um, your maybe your favorite, and then maybe a piggybacking on that, was there any, that like were your most famous that made the mainstream media that maybe a lot of us don't know about uh, that we almost have forgotten about uh all these years later
0: if it's famous people that know about it you have more than one child don't you, you have a couple kids yes uh okay yes so the two, point two is kids. which one is your favorite i have a bunch yes. of kids i right. have actual kids plus i have these uh, publications that came out uh, books and magazines all of which i'm proud of probably it's, it may seem trite, but mostly it's the f- the first edition of each sport was a breakthrough that it, a lot of work to put out the first edition. After that, you're editing and augmenting and, you know, adding sets and things like that. But we got a lot of acclaim and fame and notoriety from a lot of our Bo Jackson covers. Bo was really it back in the uh, you know late 80s uh, early 90s was pretty amazing so some of the and some of our art covers that I was personally involved with over the years I got less personally involved with the mechanics of the editorial part mm-hmm. uh, involved with the cover to a great degree for a long time involved with the price guide for a very to a very high degree for a long time but so I don't think I had a, I don't have a favorite child and I don't have a favorite uh, uh, okay. issue and uh, enough said okay so okay uh, my turn uh, you're one of the guys, Kevin, that pushed back and had uh, a thoughtful comment about my recurring comment and my back and forth with my awesome wife about my thousand issue goal. And so do you want to clarify? You know, I can give you my statement, but this is my question to you. You had a, a different perspective on that than I was thinking. So could you share your perspective and then I'll maybe then I'll clarify.
1: Yes. And I think that's I, I was probably so I my take Jim that I give you that I gave you feedback on is I'm a big podcast guy and the fact is 15 minutes and the topics I, everything I love about it so the fact that I would hear often that you're doing a thousand to me what it was saying is yeah I'm going to do a thousand and I'm done well you're already one third there so basically what you're telling me as your loyal audience yeah I'm hanging it up in a couple of years so you know. I I know that you probably didn't mean it that way because I clearly see it's it's a lot of work and we appreciate it and my my point was if you are looking at hanging it up so to speak after a thousand then make it easier on yourself and maybe only go two or three a week we we just don't know the future obviously so that was just a it's something petty but I I gave you feedback cuz I know you you wanted the pros and cons
0: I do appreciate that and I do understand what you're saying I don't My perspective is in my personality, it's hard for me to quit, to stop things that are good things. It was hard. It was very hard for me to sell the company. Okay. Mm -hmm. It became appropriate, but I'm just trying to give myself some level of permission that at some point at a thousand, for example, that maybe I can step back and really be retired. I'm still enjoying it. I think I'm going to enjoy it for a long, if I hit the thousand and I'm going, uh, going great guns, and I've got great feedback and contributions from people like you, then this is fun. We're just talking on the phone on Zoom, actually, and sure. uh, sharing hobby stories. So as long as I'm doing that, I, I may go longer, but I just am saying maybe I won't. So it also allows people to say, I want to make sure he covers. One of the things when I solicited, I said, what hasn't been covered? Because, And I don't want to wait till 900 episode 900, people say, oh, you didn't do this.
1: Mm, correct. So
0: gradually doing these things. So to give people a, a, a horizon, a, a potential stopping point. Not in deference just to you, Kevin. If I hit 1,000 and I'm still having a good time and getting great participation, I, I hope I can continue. But if I don't, then I'll try to figure out a way to sunset it and maybe decrease that frequency. I'm actually enjoying the consistent frequency, and I hope you do too, because it's more work. But it Monday through Friday and then a couple on Saturday. That, that's actually given me something to look forward to. And I, if I quit looking forward to it, I won't do it. But Okay, that yeah. would be uh, your turn now for another question.
1: For your, um, one of your episodes was, uh, it's funny, it, it's not Krause Publications, it's Krausey. Krause. I remember you saying yep. Krause is Krausey. So one of your episodes that I thought was fascinating was when you talked about Krausey Publications. And those of you that don't know, back in the day, they put out um, a magazine called Baseball Cards, Tough Stuff. I also know that they were, uh, issuing that newspaper, uh, Sports Collector's Digest. But my question is you intentionally had your magazine in hobby shops, and your competitor, Krause, was on your pretty much every neighborhood newsstand. So it might, I know it's a big question, but what did you learn from them? They were your competitor. What did you learn from them that they were doing well that you picked up on? And clearly, were you ever in t- thinking, you know what, maybe we should branch out of the, the, the hobby shops? And Because obviously, you know, that was possibly an opportunity lost. Uh, maybe I'm off base on that.
0: I think this is going to be the last question because I want to give it enough runway to, to satisfy you and others. I had a lot of respect for Chet Krause and the whole Krause team. Bob Lemke, uh, Hugh McAloon, Kevin Isaacson—actually, pretty close friends with Kevin—had him on an episode. They had different leaders there. Generally, we got along. We're friendly competitors. We're at all the same events. They, as you said, they had a little bit different uh, philosophy. The main difference they had, Kevin, is that they were almost totally ad-driven. They started Baseball Cards Magazine, which then became Sports Cards Magazine. It was Bob Lemke's idea to make a splash on the national newsstand. What that meant was. Heavy returns, because that's not a very efficient sell-through place, but they had so many ads. They had such a, a strong ad content, which is where the revenue was coming from, it increased their rate base. On the other hand, we had a lot less ads, but very strong coverage in the hobby shops and a fair number of subscriptions too. But the hobby shops are not excited about cards being and magazines being other places. They, they want to be the place where people come. And so we were very pro-hobby dealer and pro-local card shop. And so we didn't begrudge that Krause was doing that. We, I actually think the fact that Krause was so outstanding in their classified ads, when I did my very first issue, and I didn't even have any employees, I went down to a typesetter and said, what would it cost for me to do something like this? And, it, and I took an SCD from back, what is that, 80? probably That was probably in 83 or early 84. Sure. And just laughed and said, you couldn't afford it. All the proofreading and put, because Krause would, because they had their newspaper, they, they had their newspaper operation in the on the other side of the building. They could set set type like nobody's business. Gotcha. They had a great, had a great uh, employee base and and now it's gone on to different ownership and all that. But they were in, they were, what I liked about it is that we were different. We, we competed, but we had, we came at it a little bit differently. And uh, in a healthy hobby, there's room for more than one. I've frequently said, I don't, I don't want to be in a monopoly, but I want to be in first place. And mm. I, we, we were in first place in many respects. We weren't in first place by classified ads, but that we couldn't do that as efficiently as they could. So yeah, Krause, I will do more episodes about uh, them. You can look forward to that. As you said, and just to end this up, You've been very helpful, Kevin, in, in some good suggestions. And I, I don't take offense that you I think you like the episodes when I have Rich Klein and other people on better than it was just me. I like them better myself when I have you or somebody else on that can back things back and forth. So the Krause episode, the future Krause episodes will be with some, with some people that I can go back and forth with that'll give the other perspective. So there's a couple of guys that are from Krause that, again, I, it's a pretty collegial industry. So I will I've got something ready to go. And and that'll be good because I, I really I think they were honorable competitors, and uh, and they helped build the industry. That's for sure. And their sports card magazine, which is Bob Lemke's baby, was Bob Lemke's baby, was a was a was a brilliant contribution to our industry. And then we got in the newsstand later. But yes, um, you did, you did. But they were, but the, you they were said, the first ones there.
1: Yeah. It is interesting how you bring it up because clearly both magazines complemented each other, and you weren't on each other's turf. So it it it, it, is just, it was really perfect for the hobby.
0: Thank you, Kevin O'Keefe, and thanks, listeners. I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode.